You can't prove creation. I can point to what I believe to be true, but if you refuse to believe it, nothing I can say will make a difference. But if someone were to ask me to explain my belief in creation, how the Bible presents it, then I would say the Bible unfolds it into an exquisite art form that has pieces of history, literature, and oratory brilliance that illuminate God's creativity from the very beginning, throughout history and into the future, way past even the second coming. The glory of God and His creation is witnessed not just in Scripture, but how we live what we believe today. I'm Ike Mueller. This is Sabbath School University. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Welcome back to Sabbath School University, as, and today the topic is going to be how creation works itself through the pages of the entire Bible. And here to discuss this with me are some wonderful guests, and I'm happy that you're on set with me today as we're going to discuss this, this incredible topic. And before we begin, just introduce yourself, tell us a little about yourself, and when did you last feel like an animal or associate with a certain animal? <laughs> Um, my name is Deshel Kuke, and um, I'm majoring in graphic design and communications, double major. The last time I felt like an animal. Okay, um, I remember this one time, uh, one of my friends who was in fact the same age as I am, um, I helped her out with something, mm -hmm. and after I helped her, she's a little bit taller than me, I'm pretty short, and she's like really tall, and when I was done helping her or whatever, she's like, good job, good girl. Pat, pat, right on my head. And I was like, am I a dog? Like, are you serious right now? So I guess that's one of the times I felt like I yeah. <laughs> That's a very good example. <laughs> um, my name is Emmanuel Leonard. I am a religion major with a minor in communication study. That's what I'm working on right now. The last time I felt like an animal. I can't think of one. I remember, though, that um, my dad, when he would teach me, like, table etiquette, he would tell me, don't chew like a goat, or don't chew like a horse, stop there doing that. So that's the last time I can think of any time somebody compared me or made me feel like an animal. Yeah. Well, I'm Steve, and um, you know, I'm very interested in church history and Adventist history and theology. Um, but the last time I think I felt like an animal, um, which isn't very often, <laughs> I'll say that. Um, <laughs> I guess would be the closest thing I would say is a dog, because when I think of a dog, I think of a nice, loving, loyal animal, and by God's grace, that's who I want to be every day. <laughs> that's me, dog. That's, that's right. your dog, yeah. <laughs> I, I probably fluctuate a little bit um, the, between having a lot to take care of and, and worry about. There, there was, we had to chop down uh, some branches off of a tree and it was just, it looked like branches on the top of the tree, but it was more like tree trunks when it came down. And hauling that all off, I felt like a donkey, just <laughs> having to haul that whole stuff. So um, I guess uh, I'll add the donkey to, okay. to the mix of things. Well, as we begin our study today, 
Emmanuel, would you read the passage for today and pray with us? Right. Um, it says, Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Um, Lord, as we get into this discussion, I pray that you will guide our words and our thoughts. And may we have a very productive and interesting conversation today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. amen. So we all sometimes feel like animals. Fortunately, we're not animals most of the time, or hardly ever, actually. We're human beings. And in Genesis, we're presented as you were made in the image of God. What, the, what does that mean to you? What, what is so significant about that? Um, I think that when you hear, I'm being made in the image of God, it helps you to, you know, know your calling. People who may not, you know, believe in, you know, the Bible and God, um, what is so different about us? Mm. Because we believe in this, what makes us different? How do we change? So we, we see our calling that we need to be um, righteous and think of God and sh shines God light through us because we're his image. Mm -hmm. So shining that light out to people, people say, you know, there's, there's something different about that person. Mm -hmm. I want to be like them. There's this light about them. There's just something you can't really pinpoint it. Mm -hmm. But when you believe that you're part of the image of God, there's, there's something that shines out from you as mm -hmm. a Christian that other people say, you know, there's something different about that person. I want to be like that. Mm -hmm. And to add to what she's saying, I think also, I think it, it's an honor to be um, made in the image of God. Um, God is someone that I love. God is someone that I admire. And I think, um, I think it says that he thinks a lot of us to create us in his image. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I think that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> you know, another thing that I think about when I think of that verse in Genesis that talks about how male and female were created in God's image, I think of this principle of uh, being equal but different. You know, God created men and women uh, equal, but unique in their own way. He did not only make men to consist of the image of God, or women to consist of the image of God, but men and women together in a complementary manner. And I think that that's powerful, especially in our society today. I think the idea, I was going to say something similar, is that, that we're incomplete. The whole idea of image of God is partially also, one aspect of it is we're incomplete because None of us has the image of God completely. We are mm. reliant upon others to add to that to that image of God in us. Exactly, and it gives mm. us something to like strive for, just keep pushing mm. on to that mm. image. Um, would you say, because I had this discussion with my pastor before, and he said that, um, that he would argue that we aren't created in the image of God because sin has distorted our image. Would you agree with that? Wow. <laughs> you know, I like your face yeah. on that one. <laughs> that, well, you know, obviously the, the Bible talks about, you know, when God created the human race in the beginning, that we were creating the image of God. We know sin has distorted that image. But the beautiful uh, truth of the gospel is that the Bible says that through the grace and power of God, he seeks to restore that image back in us. Okay. Exactly yeah. like um, what he was saying. We, of course, you know, sin came into the world, but because Christ died on the cross and his blood covers us, 
that because of all the distortion is covered with his blood and mm. we can still strive for that image and become like that. I think there are a couple of things that that passage in, in Genesis tells us. Mm -hmm. One of them is, um, yes, that are we, do we fit that ideal of who God wants us to be? In, in Leviticus, it'll say, be holy for I, the Lord, your God, mm -hmm. I am holy. But there's also another aspect, the distinction between animals and humans. There, there is a distinction. Mm -hmm. And uh, Genesis wants to point that out by, for example, naming. Mm -hmm. The Adam was supposed to name the animals. Why is that important? Well, because God named everything before that. He named the light, light, and he named the, the waters, the firmament. And every day God names something, and that shows some, a sort of power and authority. And God gives human beings authority. Mm. And that is part of that image of God, too, that I think still remains. So mm. I don't think we, we lost everything. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That image of God is something amazing. But... But some people say, well, I don't, I don't really see that. Um, what are some reasons why people would say that's, that's not so important? You know, I think sometimes um, one reason that some may think that th that's not important, they may, they may not see, you know, the image of God in things is because they may, you know, come from certain backgrounds that are, you know, kind of tough. You know, I remember uh, growing up and right across the street, you know, you would have drug dealers and people shot and killed literally right across my street. And so sometimes when you grow up in that environment, you just think, wow, this is such an evil, wicked world. Humanity is just so terrible that it's hard to see uh, that image being reflected mm. in, in mankind. Mm. I agree. I think sometimes for us, it's hard for us to imagine being created in the image of God. You know, some of us struggle with low self-esteem or struggle with different things and we're like, you, we think of God and we think of someone who's so worthy and we look at ourselves and we see ourselves as worthless sometimes. So I think sometimes it can be difficult for us to um, um, imagine ourselves in the image of God or see ourselves in the image of God. Um, what you were saying, you could kind of twist that mm -hmm. and say, well, you know, I'm trying to do what's right. I'm, you know, the image of God. I want to, I'm going to church, I'm reading the Bible, I'm doing everything's right. Why are bad things happening to me? If mm -hmm. I'm so, you know, if I'm God's image, he wants to take care of me, he wants me to be like him, then why am I getting hurt? Why is there pain coming to me? I'm the image of God. God's supposed to take care of me. Mm -hmm. Why mm -hmm. would that happen to me as the image of God? Those are some, some questions. And, and it kind of broadens out to the question of, is there even a design in, in nature? Does that even, even work? How, what, what are some of the things, and, and why would you take a different position on that? I think sometimes um, we can just take things for granted. You know, we, we can take for granted just the complexity of, say, just our eye. You know, our eye is so simple, and we don't think about it, but you need all of these special processes to take place and these different nerves to interact and to send signals to our brain. And so you don't realize just how beautifully designed something so simple as the human eye is. You know, and we just take it for granted. We just don't think about it. And sometimes we're just caught up you know, with living, living our lives that we don't sit back and, and think about just the design we see. Marvel sometimes, maybe? That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I think also sometimes we, we think so technically. Um, we're always thinking that there's a science book way of doing things mm -hmm. and seeing things. And I think that has an effect on the way we view creation and the way we view 
whether or not we were created by a god. Mm -hmm. That kind of lacks excitement. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's true. I, I think there's another part, and, and there's some valid reasons why people say, well, there, there is no design, there's adaptation. Um, things just develop, and there are good reasons. We see that in nature, that adaptation happens. And, and, and yet I, I, from my perspective, would say adaptation happens at a small level, but not on a huge level. So within a species, adaptation happens very naturally. Mm. We can see that. And God uses that process and allows this process, but, but God also intervenes in the big things. Um, and and manages those those big things on the small level and on the on the big level and the Bible presents us a picture from the beginning to the end of God and how does the Bible develop this theme throughout it? What, what are some of the key points that that we see in the Bible of how it develops the theme of creation? One thing that I think about is um, when I think of creation I think of you know the Sabbath you know the Bible says, even in the commandment itself, it says, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day He rested and sanctified it. And so when I think of creation, I think of the Sabbath, and I think of how God made that as a day of rest, yes, but also as a day to reflect upon His creation, to reflect upon His power mm -hmm. and the beauty of the things that He has made. And so that's, that's one thing I, I see in mm -hmm. Scripture. Mm -hmm. When I was thinking about this question, um, I kept on thinking about Jesus and how he came to this earth as a child. And I was thinking about how the Holy Spirit put a child in Mary and that whole creation process of Jesus coming as a child as something that, he, that we can identify with and understand. And looking at his life and seeing the simple creation of a child being Jesus, that's amazing to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's where I see creation, um, at least in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He actually took what I was going to say. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I agree. <that's> a... <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Steve, you did that to me just a second ago. Now it's uh, Emmanuel did it. <laughs> I, I think there's some wonderful themes that go through it. Throughout creation, keeps on being a theme in, in all parts of, of the Bible. The psalmists write about it, the, the prophets talk about it, the New Testament deals, deals with it. If we take, for example, the, the psalmist, they celebrate God's victory and, and God's, He is the Creator God. What, what elements do we draw from that? We sing those as songs, we, we know these psalms. Uh, what do we take out of those? Well, I know that when I um, see those psalms and read them, uh, I take from it praising, um, basically mm -hmm. praising what God has done. Mm -hmm. So with those psalms, you read the different things of how, let's say, David in Psalms, he talks about, you know, the making of nature. He talks about many different things in there. And um, when, I, when I read them and when I sing them, I think of praising God for what he's done for creation. You know, I think about just how limited we are you know, as human beings, sometimes we pride ourselves in our uh, technological advances and, mm -hmm. you know, with different things that we come up with. But the fact of the matter is, we can't replicate what God has created. Mm -hmm. And so that, to me, is very grounding. You know, it's very humbling and just reminds me that there is a distinction between creation and the creator. 
Well, in the movies, we'd like to believe that human beings have perfected something. So yeah. if, if you look at Terminator or something <laughs> like that, we have steel hands and we have artificial things that are better than the real life things. And yet, in real life, that never happens. <laughs> Um, hip replacement, fantastic thing mm -hmm. that we can do hip replacement surgeries mm -hmm. and yet keep your hip as long as you can have it because the replacement is never as good mm -hmm. as the original. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's, there's something amazing about that and that's something to worship God about. I think it's fascinating that in the Old Testament we have kind of two ideas why God should be worshipped. The first one is because he led us out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. God saved us. Mm -hmm. And the second one is he created everything. One is this very personal, I get involved in your life and I save you out of your misery, out of, your, out of the bad things that happen in your life. But the other is this, you wouldn't even be here without me, this grand scale. And I think the psalmist, they're like, wow, God, you're so amazing. You did all this, the, the stars, the moon, the, the flowers, the everything, the big and the small. You are in charge of the oceans. You are, that is what the psalmist reflect upon. And you are this awesome God. And God is this awesome God, worthy to be worshipped. Amen. Mm. You know, sometimes I think when I read the psalms, it's like, wow, they understood. They understood what it, what it meant to, to watch God and his creation and to observe it and to appreciate it. And sometimes I feel like, it's not as appreciated by us today, mm -hmm. the way the people in the psalmist um, appreciated it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we need to come to that point where we can really appreciate the, the sun and the moon and the stars and all of God's creation the way they, cre the way they appreciated it. Exactly. Like, I don't know, like people, even myself sometimes, I'm guilty of that. Like Sometimes I'll just be up, say a quick prayer, you know, go about my day, forget to say it because I'm knocked out from studying. Like, I just feel like I wouldn't be able to get up in the morning, though, and I wouldn't be able to study. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to think, see, breathe. Like, there's so many things. And we just go about our life, like, just taking it for granted. Just, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Or we might even praise ourselves sometimes and be like, yeah, I did a great job. But all in all, God is the one that's taking control. And for us to forget to just thank him, that's all we have to do is just... He asks us to just communicate, to just, mm -hmm. just thank him, pray to me, communicate with me. That's what he asks us to do. Mm -hmm. And we forget that that small thing. And look what these people are doing, writing the whole Bible and, you know, praising him. And we can't even sometimes just throw up a prayer and just be like, thank you. You mentioned the, the Bible and the different authors of that. What does it mean to you that they kind of uh, wrote about this? These inspired authors keep on writing about creation throughout the leaves, whether it's Job, whether it's the psalmist, whether it's Isaiah, Jesus himself, they all refer, Paul, mm -hmm. they all refer back to creation. What does that, th what does that mean for you? I think it just shows how important it is mm -hmm. to know mm -hmm. about creation. We can go about our lives and be like, yep, the sun's in the sky, yeah, the stars are out there, and never know, you know, how it came about or believe in something different. But to know that, uh, that day, God split the sky and God, the waters and the, the trees and everything. He made that himself. Mm. It makes it more important than just somebody believing in the bang theory or evolution. Mm -hmm. You know, another thing I, I realize is that when I see, you know, David or Jesus or Paul, 
referencing the creation story, it tells me that they took that story seriously. Mm -hmm. That they didn't view it as just some, some you know, crazy myth that you know just some person came up with. But they actually really believed it. They took it in a in a literal sense that this actually took place in human history. And I think that sometimes in our society, you know, particularly with you know, Darwinism being so prevalent, sometimes we are tempted to think in a uh, evolutionist uh, perspective. But the Bible uh, attests over and over again um, the fact that this was a creation. This was something that God created by the power of His Word, not through long processes that took millions and millions of years, but just the simple power of His Word, and it uh, was instantly created. Yeah, you know, I... Um... Well, you can <laughs> <laughs> I have a question from somebody that probably doesn't believe. Like, they say that some people say that the days back then were, you know, millions of like that one day meant like millions of years each day. What do you think is what can prove sort of <laughs> that those were normal days? Well, the, the very simple thing is it says it was evening and morning the first day, and uh, that limits it very. From the from the Hebrew, from the from the linguistics, there is no way to put thousands of years in in that time frame. And of course, we wouldn't say that those things would be equal distances then. And, and you get in, into all kinds of uh, difficulties. But the text itself says it, it's very clear. And I think we're even dependent upon it. God, who spoke things into existence, who interacted with humans, that is the amazing thing. He prepared. Mm -hmm. He gets involved. If God doesn't get involved, then how does he get involved in miracles or mm -hmm. these kinds of things? Yeah. So if God doesn't get involved intentionally at the beginning, it would be kind of awkward if he suddenly got halfway through, kind of, well, let me do something now, let me fix something <laughs> here. Um, so there are some, some things that depend on that. And that leads me to that question, how do, how do we deal with things that, what, what are the kind of the cascading, what other Biblical themes build on the question of, of um, creation. What topics are developed? Well, I think also when talking about creation, um, there's also an opportunity to reflect on the Creator. Um, you mentioned earlier how uh, in the Bible we see so many of the authors talk about creation mm -hmm. and, um, and they talk about it with admiration. And I think that admiration comes from knowing who their creator is. Mm. And I think that, um, that they recognize that God being creator in their lives meant that, meant that they would live differently, mm. um, that they would see life differently. I think one thing that changes is we live very much in a day-to-day -day basis. Mm. I have worries today, I have worries tomorrow, all of that. I want something now. Um, I think creation gives us the idea that there is something bigger than us and mm -hmm. there is that image of God and, and it puts us all as human beings on the same level um, that would take care of nationalism, racism, mm -hmm. all these isms that we mm -hmm. get into. Um, yeah. It would get us into this away from this day-to-day -day materialism view. God is there. He controls the past and the future and uh, that leads us to a different way of life. I think another key concept that we find <clears throat> connected and related to the creation story is the fact that, you know, the wages of sin is death. 
you know, if we adopt a evolutionary perspective, we would view death in a much different way. We'd view it as a natural process that, you know, is, is just part of the, 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 the normal order. But in scripture, death is not viewed as this friend. It's viewed as an enemy. And it's not viewed as something natural. It's something that was not intended by God. When God created, he created a good creation. And it was perfect. And he saw that everything was good. And so I think that this concept of, you know, the wages of sin being death, and that's why we experience death is because of the entrance of sin. And then more importantly, the fact that we need to be rescued. You know, we need to be saved from the, from the consequences of sin um, by a savior. I think these are key concepts that connect with this. I think the one text that we haven't mentioned yet is Revelation, because Revelation points us back to a new earth. What is that new earth? It is a new paradise. The language is just a complete parallel. There's a tree of life here, there's a tree of life there, there's creation and there's recreation, and the whole picture purposefully is this idea of bringing us back to where we started off before everything turned sour. And that is the amazing thing. God that created at the beginning with a, word, with a single word can now create with a single word, recreate everything. And that changes how we live. We can live with a purpose, with a hope. We can let that image of God come through that sparkle, that essence that you mentioned before. Thank you so much for being on the show and contributing to it. Creation is still a mystery and we wrestle for answers. And maybe that's part of the joy of it. But the Bible itself is clear in that it presents a unified picture of an involved, a caring God who begins and finishes the story and is involved at at every step of the way. The psalmist urges us to worship the Creator God. Jesus invites us to live according to the ideal of creation. And finally, Revelation shows us that we will be a part of this new earth. Imagine that. Creation part two will include us with the Creator. That is amazing. I'm Ike Mueller. We'll see you next time on Sabbath School University.